This morning we're continuing in a series that we began a couple weeks ago on discernment. So we've been working our way through Philippians chapter 1. We've worked our way through the opening prayer of the Apostle Paul in verses 3 through 11. And so we're continuing a part two this morning of this series called Growing in Discernment. And I would invite you to open your Bibles then to Philippians chapter 1 as I read our text for us. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Paul prays and he says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. This past week, I received a Christian book magazine in the mail and began looking through it. I do enjoy getting those in the mail and enjoy books. And so I was interested to see what books are in there. And as I began Looking through this magazine, I I thought to myself, anyone reading this magazine, looking through this magazine with no understanding of truth, if they began to purchase all of the books that are there in this Christian magazine, this Christian book magazine, they would come out completely confused. Why? Well, if you were to look at this magazine and see the books that are written in there, there are a lot of books that are in there written by false teachers. False teachers such as Joyce Meyer and Andy Stanley and many others. But then sprinkled throughout this magazine, there are books by true biblical teachers. Men like Charles Spurgeon, Jerry Bridges, and many others. In fact, in the the section for devotionals, you have a book that's there written by Sarah Young who wrote the book Jesus Calling. Which, by the way, is a very dangerous book. Stay away from it. Don't read that book. She claims to hear from Jesus Himself And write down the words of Jesus. That's not how Jesus speaks to us. Not through Jesus' calling. He speaks to us through His Word. But on that same page, you have a a devotional there by this woman, Sarah Young, who's going to lead many people astray. And on that very same page, there's a devotional there by Charles Spurgeon. The Prince of Preachers. And the reality is, this this Christian book company is able to put together a magazine like this and sell all kinds of these different books because of the great lack of discernment in the church today. Now, what is discernment? Discernment, simply put, is separating truth from error. Separating truth from error. And looking at a Christian book magazine today takes great discernment because you have to be able to separate out the false teachers from the true teachers. But how is this done? How does someone become a discerning person? Well, that's what I want us to focus on here this morning. But before I do that, let me remind you of what we talked about a few weeks ago as we began this series. And and I told you this, one of the biggest problems with the church today is a lack of discernment. And then I gave seven reasons for why there is a lack of discernment. Let me remind you of those here this morning. First, there is a great lack of discernment because of a deficiency of Bible teaching. 
because of a deficiency of Bible teaching. Because pastors are not standing up in the pulpit preaching the Bible. But instead, they've replaced Bible teaching with personal stories. Nice little cliches that make you feel warm and fuzzy as you leave. There's a deficiency of Bible teaching today in the churches in America. Second, there's a lack of discernment because of a dullness of hearing. A dullness of hearing. There's a a lack of desire to want to learn the Scriptures. People have become lazy, sluggish. That's what dullness there means in Hebrews chapter 5. Lazy or sluggish in their study of God's Word and they don't have a desire. There's no desire to study God's Word. There's no desire to get past the basics of the Christian faith. The basics which is repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. There's a dullness of hearing in the church today. Third, there's a lack of discernment because of a discomfort of seeming divisive. A discomfort of seeming divisive. That is, we said, doctrine divides, right? Doctrine divides. You take a stand, you will divide. You take a stand for the truth, there will be division that comes from that. Doctrine does divide. But people are afraid that if they take a stand for true doctrine, that 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 might hurt someone's feelings or have, an, have someone turn against them because they take a stand for the truth. And so out of a fear of man, people don't practice discernment, which leads then to them opening themselves up to all kinds of lies from the enemy. And it all stems from a fear of man and a discomfort of seeming divisive. Fourth, there's a lack of discernment because of a disengaged mind. A disengaged mind, meaning these are people who disengage from the truth. They disengage from the truth and they begin then to open their minds up to all kinds of lies from the enemy. In fact, these are people who pride themselves on being open-minded. I'm a very open-minded person. And in all reality, they need to close their mind. Close it. Don't have an open mind. Close your mind and fix your mind on the truth of God's Word. That's what we need to do. But there's a lack of discernment because of a disengaged mind. An open-mindedness. Instead of fixing our minds upon the truth of God's Word. Fifth, there's a lack of discernment because people are driven by emotions. People are driven by emotions rather than their mind. They don't think anymore. They just react according to their emotions. Whatever emotional feeling they have that day, that's how they're going to respond. That's how they're going to walk then according to that emotion. Instead of being led by their mind. People today have given up on information. On knowledge. We talked about how even advertisers know that. They don't want to give you information anymore. They want to get you emotionally. They're after your emotions so that you'll come and buy their product. They don't even have to tell you anything about their product. They just put a little puppy on the screen, get you emotionally riled up, and then they go, you'll buy it. And sadly, people do because they see the little puppy on the screen. (laughs) They're led by their emotions. They don't want information. They don't want knowledge. And because their emotions are changing all the time, they then lose the ability to discern. They're not able to discern. Because remember, we had said that discernment is based upon knowledge. True knowledge. It's based upon theology. Right thinking. Right theology. If you remember, we said discernment is the practice of theology. It's finding out what is true and then acting on that truth. Acting upon true 
theology. Well, the reality is, true theology doesn't change. Your emotions will change, but true biblical doctrine doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's truth doesn't change. And so, a person who is led by their emotions is a very undiscerning person. A very undiscerning person. Six, we said that there's a lack of discernment because of a defective view of the church. A defective view of the church. And we talked about how people have a wrong view of the church today. Many people have a wrong view of the church. They think that the church is made up of anyone who shows up to church. Anyone. They just decide to show up to church today. Wow, well, there's the church. Because somebody decided to wake up and go to church today. Without even understanding whether they're a believer or not. They just show up to church and that's what the church is. People don't understand the purpose of the church. There no longer remains church discipline in many churches in order to keep the church pure. That's the purpose of church discipline and why God gave us church discipline because He desires for His church to be pure. And what many churches have done is they've thrown it out the window because they want everybody to show up to church. And they call that church. They've thrown out church discipline. Jay Adams says this, church discipline erects a barrier between the church and the world. When it is removed, it becomes impossible to distinguish the two. And there's a great lack of discernment in the church because people don't even understand what the church is. That the church is made up of only believers. And it is for believers. That's the purpose of the church. Many churches have eliminated church discipline today and this then brings all kinds of sinful actions into the church. They just allow sin in. They open up their doors for sin to come into the church. And then you have a place where there's sin running rampant throughout the church and no one can decipher between the believers and the unbelievers anymore. And when that happens, you have a very undiscerning place. And it all stems from a defective view of the church. And then finally, the seventh reason there's a lack of discernment is because of a devotion to self. A devotion to self. Self becomes the standard of truth. I become the standard of truth. Personal opinions trump the Bible as the standard of truth. It's all about self. And when that happens, there no longer remains a standard of truth because your opinions will change. Your opinions will change. And somebody today is going to try and change your opinion. And they might even be successful in it. Your opinions will change. Churches are full of people with their own opinions that go contrary to God's Word. This is why when we do Bible study, we don't sit there and open our Bibles and say, well, what do you think? Well, here's what I think. Well, what do you think? And everybody just has their own thoughts about what they think the Bible actually says. I had a professor in seminary who said, I don't care what you think. (laughs) What does God say? That's what we want to find out. That's what we want to know. What does the standard of truth say? What does God's Word have to say? In those places, those churches that are full of people with their own opinions that go contrary to God's Word, those churches are places that have a great lack of discernment. Because everyone shows up with their own opinions. And so, those are seven reasons why there's a lack of discernment in the church today. But I know that you all came back this morning because you want to find out how to become a discerning person, right? 
You want to know, how can I become a discerning person? So let me ask the question, how can I be a discerning believer? How can I be a discerning believer? Well, I want to give you some ways to be discerning. But, before I do that, let me help you understand some of the biblical terminology of discernment. The Hebrew word for discernment is the word bin. Bin. B-I-N. Bin. And it means to pay attention to, to consider, to discern, or to have understanding. And it conveys the idea of making distinctions. Or being a person who, listen, listen to this, being a person who discriminates. In our modern time, discrimination has a negative connotation, right? Negative connotation attached to it because of what the world has done with this word. We are told by the world not to discriminate. That discrimination is bad. If we take a stand on homosexuality or transgenderism being a sin, we are discriminating. We take a stand on wives submitting to their husbands because that's what the Scripture commands wives to do. We are discriminating against women. We take a stand on children obeying their parents because that's what the Word of God tells children to do. We're now discriminating against children. And now you have disobedient children who are being labeled with a disorder. It's called oppositional defiant disorder. Look it up. Mayo Clinic has it. ODD. A disobedient child now has ODD. They label them with a disorder. And you can't discriminate against somebody who has a disorder. Right? You see what the world has done with that word? discriminate they've taken a positive thing that is the ability to discriminate and make distinctions between good and bad right and wrong true and false and they have attached a negative connotation to it so that people don't want to discriminate anymore the world tells you that you're a bad person if you discriminate you're evil you're bad. Don't discriminate. And yet, God's Word tells us that discrimination is a good thing. In fact, let me show you. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Solomon, writing to his son, giving him wisdom. Proverbs are full of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15, Solomon says this, The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. That word consider there in the Hebrew is the word bin. Which means to discern or to discriminate. The Net Bible translation says it this way. A naive person will believe anything, but the shrewd person discerns his steps. And what God is saying is that it is good to be a sensible man. It is good to be a shrewd person. One who is able to discriminate and discern between two things. That is a good thing. What he's saying there is, don't be naive. Don't be the naive person who just believes everything and is led in all kinds of different directions. 
You wake up one morning and you believe one thing, and the, wake up the next morning and you believe something totally different. It's a naive person. And they're going to be led in all kinds of different directions. Their life is going to be a total mess. God is saying here, be a sensible person. Be a discerning person who considers your steps, who discriminates. One commentary says this, the simpleton or the naive is the young person who is untrained morally or intellectually and therefore gullible. We have a lot of gullible people sitting in the pews of our churches today. Gullible. They'll hear something from the Christian radio station today. They'll hear something totally different on the Christian radio station tomorrow. And they'll believe both of them. Totally gullible. That's the naive person. This commentary goes on and says this, the shrewd or sensible one is the prudent person, the one who has the ability to make critical discriminations. And that's what God is telling us to do, to be those who are able to make critical discriminations. We must be people who discriminate. Don't believe the lies of the world that are telling you don't discriminate. God says we must be people who discriminate. We have to be able to discern between truth and error. We should be shrewd people. Sensible people who are able to discriminate. In the New Testament, the word for discernment is the word diacrino. Diacrino. And it means this, to differentiate by separating or to make a distinction. John MacArthur says this, discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth. The discerning person is the one who draws a clear contrast between truth and error. This is the person who is able to separate out truth from error. Which is why I said that someone who's looking at a Christian book magazine today has to have good discernment. On a single page of that magazine, you have a book being sold by a false teacher and a book being sold by a true biblical teacher. You need to discriminate, discern. You have to have the skill to discriminate, to discern and separate the two out. And the wonderful thing is that this is a skill that can be learned. It's a skill that can be learned. I mean, think about it. All of us, at the moment of our salvation, were very undiscerning people. Right? We all were. We were very undiscerning people. We didn't understand the truths of God's Word before we were saved because 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. We were very undiscerning people. We just believed it all. Believed all of the lies. Very undiscerning people. But at the moment of our salvation, we understood at least the basic truths of God's Word. We began to understand. At that moment, we began to understand repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. At least we got the basics, right? We had some understanding then. We were born again. God changed our hearts so that we could then understand at least the basic truths of the Gospel. We got a little discerning. We got some theology. Some right theology. And we believed it. 
but that didn't automatically make us discerning people because we didn't have an understanding of all of the other truths that are revealed in God's Word. There was still growth. That's why we call those who are saved the moment that, they begin, that, that they're saved, we call them baby Christians, right? And the Word of God says they need milk. you got to give them milk. But don't leave them with the milk. Then you got to feed them the meat. As they grow, as they grow in their knowledge of the truth of God's Word, and as they do that, they should then be growing in discernment. The great thing is, is that discernment is a skill that can be developed. It can be learned and it can be developed. It's something that we can grow in because now as believers, we can understand the truths of God's Word, right? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who eliminates, illuminates the Word of God so that we can understand it. He gives us understanding. And we can then begin to start discriminating truth from error. So how can we be discerning people? Well, let me start by giving you some high-level commands about becoming discerning. Some high-level commands about becoming discerning. Turn over with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church who was a very undiscerning church. They had some false teachers come into the church and tell them that the rapture has already taken place. And they believed it. It They were undiscerning people. There was a lack of discernment in this church. And so Paul writes to the Thessalonians in in 1 Thessalonians 5, notice what he says in verse 21. He says this, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Three clear commands here. Three clear commands that Paul gives in these two verses. Examine everything. Hold fast. And abstain. Those are the three commands. Examine, hold fast, and abstain. Now, in order to understand these verses, we must understand the context. Right? We've got to understand the context in which Paul is writing here. Paul is writing here to all of the believers in the church that is at Thessalonica. To all of them. This is a letter that's not written directly to pastors. Like Timothy or Titus, written directly to pastors. This is a letter that is written to a church. Meaning everybody that is there. All the believers who were there in Thessalonica. All of the lay people in the church. And notice that he lists out some of the very... Some very basic Christian principles beginning in verse 16. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. These are simple commands. Simple commands for basic Christian living. You could go through this list and you could see As Paul gives these commands, this is what we must do as Christians in our Christian lives. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. And we think, okay, that's not so bad. I can strive for that. Be a joyful person and rejoice always. Not too bad. I can try and practice that in my life. I like that. Rejoice. Joy. It's a good word, right? Then he goes on and he says, pray without ceasing. Okay, it's a little tougher, right? You mean pray always? Well, it doesn't mean you have to be on your knees for 
24 hours a day. That's not what he's talking about there. But that you have to have an attitude of prayer in your life. And you go, okay, I, I can strive for that. Strive to be a, a praying person. Then he goes on and he says, in everything, give thanks. Okay, I can give thanks. But in everything? Really? In the trials? In the troubles of life? I'm to give thanks? It's a little tougher to do. But I'll strive for that. Strive to be a thankful person. And he goes on, do not quench the spirit. Okay, you might be thinking, not sure what that means. But I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> Whatever it means, don't quench the spirit. I want to obey that, right? And all it means in simple terms is don't reject God's word. It's written by the spirit of God. Don't reject his word and don't walk in sin. Simple terms, that's what it means to not quench the Spirit. And we go, oh, okay, I can do that. I'll receive God's Word, live my life so that I will strive not to be walking in sin, but to be walking in the Spirit. And then he goes on and he says, and do not despise prophetic utterances. This is not talking about some random person standing up claiming to have a word from the Lord. It's not what he means when he says prophetic utterances. Prophetic utterance is here is talking about the preaching of God's word. This is the preaching of God's word. That's what prophetic utterances are. To prophesy means to bring forth. Prophetic utterances means to, to bring forth the Word of God. And he's saying, don't despise the preaching of God's Word. That's what he's saying there. And we think, okay, I can do that too. Pretty simple Christian living principles to live by. I mean, look at this. Rejoice, pray, be thankful, and listen and obey God's Word. Pretty easy. Pretty simple. But many Christians stop there. They stop there because they don't like what comes next. Because what comes next takes a lot more effort. Notice what he says in verse 21. But examine everything carefully. The first step in discernment is to examine everything. To examine everything. The word carefully there in the NASB was added by the translators to help the meaning here. They're helping us to understand what Paul is saying in the Greek. Examine everything. Examine everything carefully. And what Paul is saying to the Christians in the church in Thessalonica is that they need to live their lives as judges. You need to be someone who judges. What about judge not lest ye be judged? That the world likes to throw out at us. Yeah, that's talking about not judging a person's heart or their motives. But it's not saying that you can't judge between truth and error. We must be those who are judging between truth and error. That's what Paul is saying here. You must be a judge. When? All the time. Because what does he say? Examine everything. Everything. The Greek word for examine is the word dokamazo. We talked about that word last time because it's the same word that Paul uses in Philippians 1.10 where he says, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve is that same word, dokamazo, examine, so that you may examine the things that are excellent. That word there means to make a critical examination of something to determine its genuineness. In other words, Paul is saying, judge everything critically. 
what you mean I have to be not only a discriminating person, but also a critical person? Yes. <laughs> That's what God is saying. And specifically in context, this is right after he has just told them not to despise prophetic utterances. That is, do not despise the preaching of God's word. And so, the context here has to do with doctrinal discernment. Doctrinal judgment. We need to be those who are able to judge between truth and error. Making a critical examination of of what a person says to see of what they are saying lines up with the truth of God's Word. That's what we must do. That's what you must do, even as I preach. Isn't that what the Bereans did in Acts 17 with the Apostle Paul? And I'm not even close to the Apostle Paul. I mean, I'm way, 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 way down. I don't belong in the same camp as the Apostle Paul. And yet he came in and preached the gospel to the Bereans and they examined everything according to what? The Scriptures. To see if what the Apostle Paul was saying lined up with the Scriptures. They were judges of him, of the Apostle Paul. Now, did everything that Paul said Line up with the Scriptures? Yes, it did. So they should believe it and live according to it. But they took the Apostle Paul's teaching and they examined it against the Scriptures to see if it was true. And that is what discerning believers do. That's what we must do. Discerning believers take everything they hear, they read, they watch, and they examine it against the Scriptures. They are judges who are constantly testing and judging the things that come at them. Because Satan is throwing all kinds of things at you. Every single day, he's throwing more and more stuff at you. And as things come at you, you must be able to judge everything that comes. Discern it. Edmund Hebert says this about the word examine, the present tense. In the Greek, it's a present tense. And he says the present tense denotes that the testing demanded is not an isolated action, but is rather to be the settled rule and continuing practice. It's to be the continuing practice in our lives so that everything that we pick up to read, everything that we listen to on the radio, everything we are judging, we are examining it to see if it's biblical or not, to see if it's true or not. We need to be people who are continuing to practice discernment. And remember the context. Who is Paul talking to here? He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. The believers at Thessalonica. He's talking to you. Discernment is not something that's just for pastors and elders of a church, although they should be discerning. But it's not just for pastors and elders of the church. It's for everyone in the church. It's for all believers of all time. All believers are commanded to be judges and test everything that they hear. Notice there's a second step in discernment, and that is to hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to that which is good. Once we have discriminated and separated out the truth from the lie, the truth from error, good from bad, we are then called to hold fast to that which is good. Now, this is not just some kind of academic exercise where you have two views and then you write a position paper on why you align with one. Not what he's calling for here. It's more than that. This is a call to action. It's a call to action. Remember I told you discernment is the practice of theology. It's theology in action. 
That word hold fast there in the Greek means to adhere firmly to traditions, convictions, or beliefs. To adhere firmly to those. And it carries the idea of holding something down or holding something firmly. And in the Greek, there's, there's this energy that's given to this action in which the person will do all that they can to defend it. They hold on to it and they defend it. It would be like finding an old rare coin and then examining it to see if it's genuine. And after you examine it, you find out, you know for a fact that it's genuine. And it's worth a lot of money. So what do you do? You grasp it. You hold on to it. You hold on to it firmly. And then someone comes along and they say, hey, let me see that coin. And you show them the coin and they look at it and they examine it. You know it's real, but they go, hmm, looks fake to me. What will you do? Just give it up? <laughs> no, you won't. Because you know it's genuine. You know it's real. You'll say, give me that coin back. You might think it's fake, but I know it's real. And you'll grasp it. And you'll hold on to it. And you'll defend it. And you'll guard it against those who are attacking it. That's the idea there of hold fast. That you'll hold on to the truth and you'll guard it against the attacks that come against it. It's protecting it against the attacks of the enemy. That's what we're to do as we hold fast to the truth. As we hold fast to that which is good. And when a believer lets his or her guard down, they are violating this command. They're violating this very command in Scripture when you let your guard down. And that's when believers then become undiscerning. When they let their guard down. But there's more to this word, hold fast. It's not only to defend it, to defend the good, but it also means to embrace it. To embrace it. Not only are you ready to defend the truth, but you embrace the truth and you hold tightly to it. And why are believers to do this? Why do we do this with the truth? Because we love the truth, right? We love the truth. We desire the truth. We want to know more truth. Give us the truth. We defend the Word and embrace the Word because we love the Word because the Word is God's truth given for us. We love the truth because we love the God who gives us His truth, right? So we guard it. and We embrace it. We love it. and We hold it tight. We discriminate to find out what is good and what is bad what is truth and what is error. And then we take the truth and we defend it and we embrace it because God's word is the most valuable thing to us. Amen? Because he is the most valuable person to us. Amen? And so we love his word. We love the truth and we embrace it. And we hold fast to it. But... Then there's a third step in discernment. Notice what Paul says there in verse 22. The third step in discernment is to abstain from every form of evil. To abstain from every form of evil. Once we have discriminated and laid out before us truth and error, we then take action to defend and embrace the truth, but we also have to take action to abstain from every form of evil. There's an action in that as well. That word abstain there means to avoid contact with 
or use of something, to keep away or to shun. While we would agree that we should keep away from evil behavior, the context here is not primarily concerned with behavior, but with evil teaching or false doctrine. That's the context here in which Paul is writing. He's talking about evil teaching, false doctrine. As you examine something, you find out that it is contrary to the truth of God's Word, and therefore you then are called to shun it. To push it away. And to keep it away. We're to stay away from it. Stay away from the false teaching. MacArthur says, Scripture does not give believers permission to expose themselves to evil. Let me read that again. Scripture does not give believers permission to expose themselves to evil. And this includes not just evil actions, but also evil teaching. We don't have permission to go and examine evil teaching. We're called to stay away from it. Sadly, there are believers today who will study more things about false religions than they will about the Bible. They'll know more things about all of the false religions of the world than they will about the truth of God's Word. They'll be experts in the religions of the world while being mediocre in their knowledge of God's Word. That's why the FBI has their agents study the real money in order to spot the fake, right? Study the real stuff. And then when the fake comes along, you automatically know, ah, that's fake. How do I know? Because I know what the real is. Now, does this mean that we have to become hermits and not know the evils that are out there in this world? No. But the reality is that we don't have to go looking for evil because it will continue to come after us. As one commentator says, the essence of evil does not change, but ever seeks new and attractive forms through which it may embody itself. Listen, Satan is not going to give up. He hasn't given up. He's going to continue to devise new ways to throw evil at us. But as evil comes at us, we must be able to recognize it. And how do we recognize it? Because we know that it does not line up with the truth. Because we know the truth so well that we know, nope, this doesn't belong here. It's a lie. And we're able to spot the false teaching that's out there as it comes at us. We're able to recognize it. And when we recognize it, we must then actively abstain from it and shun it. Push it away. And listen, church, evil is going to come in all different forms. It will even be labeled as Christian. If you pick up something to read that is labeled Christian or listen to something Christian on the radio, if you think that just because it calls itself Christian that you can believe it, you are not practicing discernment. We must take Everything, everything that comes at us and examine it. Isn't that what Paul just told us? Examine what? Everything. Examine it carefully. The Bereans did that. They examined Paul's teaching. We must examine everything 
that comes at us carefully so that we can find out what is true and what is false. And when you find out what is true, what are you called to do? To defend it and embrace it. And if it's false, what do we do? We shun it. Don't put it up here. Shun it. Get rid of it. Keep away from it. And if you do this in your life, you will become a more discerning believer. We must examine everything. We must study the truth so that we might grow in our discernment as believers. Well, I want to give you some personal and practical things that you can do to be discerning as well. And if you come back next week, you'll be able to hear those then. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you for the truth of your word that always steers us in the right direction. It's the truth that guides us and leads us. It's the truth that has led us to you. As we at one point in our lives heard the truth of the gospel, that we must repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins and receive salvation, the free gift of salvation. Lord, it was that truth that led us to you. It was through the truth of the gospel that we have been saved. Father, I pray for anyone who is here this morning who is not saved, who does not know you. Father, I pray that the truth of the gospel message, repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ, would set them free. That they would put their faith in Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect life died on a cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day, who lives today and is seated at your right hand, and who offers salvation to all who will come to him in faith. Father, I pray for anyone who is here that does not know you, that does not believe this truth. Father, I pray that you would open their hearts to believe it, that they would be converted that they would be saved by you. Father, I pray that you would help us to be discerning believers, that we would examine everything. We know that Satan is a liar and the father of lies, but we know that you are the God of truth. And we trust you and we thank you for the truth that you've given to us. Help us to examine everything that comes at us and help us to be those who would hold fast to the truth and abstain from every form of evil. And that as we grow in our discernment, we would bring glory and honor to your name and your name alone. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.